0: Kevin Belby is the general manager of Bayhimes Army. It looks like they're going to play on this summer, although in a, a different scenario, and unfortunately not here in Syracuse. But we'll get the details on that uh, shortly after my man Bill from Lee Baldwin & Company gives us our hump day stock market update. Bill, how, how are we looking today?
1: Another great day, up over 500 points for the Dow, second day in a
0: row. Fantastic news there. So they're back on the floor, albeit in a limited sense, right? But uh, it feels like things are getting somewhat back to normal from a stock market perspective.
1: It is. The economy is getting back to normal a little bit. Uh, The Dow closed above 25,000 for the first time since March 10th. We were still playing sports back on March
0: 10th. Right, yeah. That's a good reference point there. I like that.
1: Diamond today was uh, Disney. It was up modestly. They're looking to open the Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom on July 11th. And uh, next week we're going to see SeaWorld and Universal open up. So Florida's getting back to uh, normal, hopefully.
0: All right. How about a dog today?
1: A uh, dog goes with uh, Twitter. They, uh, the company decided to put a fact label on a uh, recent tweet by President Trump, and he did not like that.
0: No, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. And that's set the stock soaring down a little bit. Oh. Interesting news there. I appreciate
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. All right,
0: yeah. my friend. Thank you, as always. We'll talk to you again soon. That's our guy, Bill, from Lee Baldwin & Company, where you can uh, get all the diamonds and none of the dogs on your portfolio by going to com or stopping in in Kaz Manlius or Utica, make sure as mentioned all the diamonds none of the dogs on your portfolio let's uh, go to a man who is leading the charge for bayheim's army things are going to be a bit different on that front this summer but uh, like hearing the roster announcements and hearing about sports coming back and uh, the basketball tournament seems to be in line to do that let's get all the details from our guy kevin belby the general manager of bayheim's army back on the block with us here espn radio kevin how are you sir
1: I'm doing well, man. When you say sports are back, that gets me excited. So I, I know we're, we're, not, uh, we're not there yet, but we're getting there.
0: It's been interesting to see these discussions, to see plans put out there. It's not just how are we going to do it. It's we've got a plan, right? And, and there's still some details to be filled in there. You know, the NBA is going to be at Disney. Hockey had their plan yesterday. And the basketball tournament seems to be kind of honing down on what they're going to do this summer, which will include Bayheim's Army. So let's take a step back for those that haven't heard. What is the plan right now uh, to put the basketball tournament on?
1: So I know the folks over there at TBT have been working really hard on a plan, um, and they're, they're a lot smaller team than you'd probably even think. I know they they have less than 10 full-time employees, uh, and they always run a top-notch summer uh, operation, summer tournament, but uh, just like everything else in the world, the last couple of months, it's been complicated with trying to figure out how to continue moving forward with COVID-19. And um, they've, uh, they put together a really good plan, I think, and, and they believe too uh, to keep players safe, but to still have the tournament. And they're going to put every, everybody in one location. Everyone's going to be quarantined, um, a, a reduced tournament in terms of team, Team numbers, so there will be 24 total teams as opposed to a full 64 like you normally see, similar to uh, March Madness. Um, And it'll be uh, in July, nationally televised again on ESPN, uh, Family of Networks. And uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I've been trying to prepare the last couple months as if we were going to play. Um, But without any details, it was hard to get too excited about it. But the tournament, like you said, they released this information today that they will be going forward hosting a a tournament. It's going to look a little bit different, not have fans, but um, there still will be games to be played.
0: It seems like that's the model, albeit in different sports and different formats. Even uh, the Premier Lacrosse League is going to kind of quarantine and stay in a spot and have these games. We mentioned the NBA's plan at Disney and now TBT kinda of follows suit on this. So when you look at this is two months from now, Kevin, I mean who knows how much could change by the time this this really gets underway here, but it's just, it's a bummer that it won't happen here, even though if you had played here this summer, I I think we all can assume there wouldn't have been fans at OCC anyway. So it kind of gets to the point of, well if this is the the kind of the hand we've been dealt, why even do it in that sense. So it, it's. I think it's an interesting adjustment that TBT is making here, especially considering. Uh, and maybe you can fill us in on this. I know they didn't announce it officially, but I'm. I'm going to make that assumption. This is still going to be on ESPN as normal this summer, right?
1: On on television. Yes. Yes. So the games will be on ESPN. Um, you know, it, I think uh, they're they're working with the. ESPN now, you know, to, to try to finalize television windows, try to finalize dates for all these games. I know that the entire tournament it's going to be less than two weeks from start to finish. Um, so it's just trying to work with, uh, w- with, with ESPN to find the right windows for, for game times.
0: So we're still looking at, because uh, one of the, the big carrots in this whole thing, of course, is the $2 million prize. Is that still mm-hmm. on the line as well? Has anything changed there?
1: Yeah, as far as I know, you know, that's what we're still playing for. Now, look, everybody, um, most people in in a lot of different businesses have taken taken pay cuts, and I know advertising money will probably be down, so I wouldn't be surprised if that that is uh, a little bit flexible, but our understanding is we're still playing for $2 million.
0: Okay, good to know. Now, when you look at a shortened field here, One of the interesting things was 64 teams. It's going to be down to 24, and uh, I'm assuming Bayheims Army is going to be part of that. You were set to be a regional host. You're one of the more popular teams out there. I saw something the other day that named Bayheims Army. We'll go over some of the roster additions here and what the team looks like in a minute here, but you were named the most improved team in TBT, so that's good. And How does that change the dynamic basketball-wise when you have such a, a shorter field in this thing? Is that good news, maybe?
1: I think so. You know, it's um, it, well, it's it's less teams to have to beat, so <laughs> we're closer to the money with less teams involved. And uh, look, I, I'm going to lean pretty heavily, like I always do, too, on um, on Ryan Blackwell to come up with a good plan. It's going to be a non-traditional approach to this summer. You know, we normally get up at Syracuse, as you know, and practice in person for a, a week, two weeks, have a full training camp, uh, working out two, three times a day. That's just not not feasible right now. You know, I think it, it's almost in a way it's, it's better for guys to be on their own working out because we're going to have to go through pretty thorough testing. Uh, guys are going to have to do an, an at-home uh, testing kit uh, before they even leave to, to play. As soon as we show up on site, we're going to have to be tested again. And then we're going to have to pass another test before uh, our first game. So, you know, I've talked about this with, the organizers at the tournament. It, it, it's almost, in some ways, safer to to for guys to be working out and staying shape on their own because they're just by you know by nature being exposed to less people. So uh, it's going to be a, a, a different way for us to prepare. You know, I think we're we're actually going to have everything is going virtual. As you know, I think we'll probably have some virtual practices. Um, going over some of the things we're trying to accomplish on offense and defense, maybe doing a practice, just going over the Elam ending, you know, and doing that over Zoom, and then once we do get on site, we have to be there five days before our first game, so we will have five days together in person to uh, to get physically acclimated to each other and, and hopefully see a court and run through some things.
0: Kevin Belby's our guest general manager of Bayheim's Army. Kevin, uh, you mentioned that's interesting, those Zoom practices and, and trying to do things. Sports is one of those unique things you can do a lot of preparation and, and meetings over Zoom, but like you said, you gotta get out there and do it. And the short window to do it will be interesting. And that being said, what have the conversations been like through this whole thing about players, recruiting players, doing it in kind of an uncertain way? But now that the you know the clouds are starting to lift a little bit here and it appears you're gonna play that eases a lot of the tension i would imagine but what has been the attitude of those you've talked to about playing have they been in all the way or you know did they have some hesitation
1: yeah no absolutely i mean going back to the first year of this for putting coronavirus aside for a second you know the first iteration of Bayheim's army was was somehow five years ago in the summer of 2015 and back then you know i had to just convince guys this wasn't a scam and i didn't blame them because (laughs) i thought it was a scam at first too it's like playing basketball for $2 million in the middle of the summer on ESPN. I mean, what can be better than that? Um, you know, I've kind of likened it too. It's, it's like ho- college homecoming for these guys, but with a, with a giant prize pot on the line. Um, so, you know, over the years have always recruited players and, you know, tried, tried to get the best team together. Um, but, you know, this year has been a little different where um, guys have actually come to me and said, hey, I would love to play. I would love to play. I'd love to play. Uh, because... Everyone is just itching to do something, you know, itching to get out of the house, itching to, to have sports again. So many of these guys had their spring seasons canceled, had their summer plans canceled, and their fall plans might even be pushed off or canceled. You know, uh, normally we compete with the summer league and the big three and a, a couple of international leagues in the summer. You know, nothing else is going on. And everybody's been just kind of working out on their own. They're ready to play, ready to get out there. Um, So in that way, it's been a little bit easier to put a team together, you know, but it's also all the guys that we have, they have had to agree to all of the stringent requirements that that the tournament's going to put on us, and rightfully so, you know, to keep everybody healthy. But still, it's going to be a sacrifice for these guys to leave their families in the middle of the summer for for two weeks at a time. Um, And, I mean, we're going to be basically in a hotel and, that's it, you know, we're not going to be allowed to go in and out, not really going to be allowed to go to Starbucks or, or walk down the street. You know, we're, we're not even going to see another team unless we're playing them. Um, so they're going to keep us really, really isolated. So that's something that, you know, all the guys have to be on board with. But um, at this point, I think guys would really do whatever it takes uh, for the most part to get back out there and play and compete. Uh, And especially, you know, as you know, this is so much fun for these guys, to. They all, everybody thinks college is going to last forever. Sadly, it doesn't. And, uh, you know, these guys just love wearing orange again, having Syracuse fan support, you know, being associated with with Coach Beheim and Julie Beheim, and we try to bring awareness to their foundation. So um, I can't wait, and I and I know the guys that we have are just they're chomping at the bit to uh, to play.
0: On that note, here's who we got so far: Kevin, Tyler Lydon, Malachi Richardson, Brandon Trish, Eric Devendorf, Demetrius Nichols, and uh, the latest addition announced this week, John Gillen. So we got six players uh, on that roster—a good mix of returning TBT players and, and some fresh blood as well. So far,
1: yeah, I think I've always thought that that's that's a key. You know, we've got. We've got the vets, and we've got Eric Devendorf, who will probably play till he's sixty. Um, <laughs> he's, he, he, he'd probably get mad at me, but he, he already has some gray hair in his beard. You know, he tries to hide it a little bit, but you know, he he's ha- having him a part of our team. Guys like him, Demetrius Nichols, I think it's really important. Brandon Trish, even John Gillen's, be- you know, is a young guy, but has become a veteran for us. Those guys who know the format of the tournament, what it takes to win, understand what it takes to play with the Elam ending. You know, at the end, it's, it's a different way to end the game. Um, but then mixing in some younger guys with fresh legs who you know, won't get tired maybe playing if they have to play four games and six days or whatever it takes uh, or can play 30, 30, 35 minutes running up and down the court, I think that is uh, what we've seen is, is a good formula for success.
0: Kevin, we have six players as of now. It's Wednesday. Say by Friday, is the roster going to be bigger? We're we going to hear some more announcements.
1: Yeah, I think the roster will be bigger by uh, tomorrow morning. We expect to add okay. uh, another guy tomorrow, and um, likely uh, one at the beginning of next week. So that'll that'll get us to eight, which I think is a, a pretty good healthy number. And then we'll um, you know decide where to go from there. But we're just uh, just about the point where we're going to start to finalize everything.
0: Excellent. Well, keep up the good work. Glad to hear you guys are forging ahead here, albeit in a different way, but uh, better than no tournament at all. So stay in touch. We'll definitely catch up down the road here, but uh, thanks for the time and the insight as always today, my friend.
1: Thank you, Brent. Stay healthy. Go Orange.
0: ESPN Radio, Syracuse. Of course, that gentleman moved on to be the play-by-play voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. And the last time we talked with him, his sport had just shut down. We're now talking to him with plans of his sport to rev back up. So every time we talk to Dan Duva on this show, something is happening one way or the other. And a pleasure to welcome him back, as always, on the block, ESPN Radio. How are you, sir?
2: Hi, Brent. You know, that power play unit for the Syracuse Crunch was Nikita Nesterov, Nikita Kucherov, Vladislav Nemesnikov, Dmitry Korobov, and JT Brown. (laughs) And uh, JT changed his Twitter handle to JT Brownov, and it remained as such until just like last year. He finally switched it back to JT Brown. But most people with the Minnesota Wild where JT ended up had no idea that that's why his Twitter was JT Brownov. It was Nikita Nesterov, Nikita Kucherov, Vladislav Domestikov, Dmitry Korobov and J.T. Brown.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. When you were starting to rattle off those names, like the first thing that popped to mind was, boy, you were wishing there was like a Jones in there. And then boom, oh, boom, there's, there's Brown. <laughs> so you oh, like, have too many syllables. You could just feel the <laughs> relief in your voice when the puck would go to Brown, <laughs> albeit temporarily just to reset and not have oh, to say those geez. names.
2: <laughs> look, no, no because you couldn't even use like like Vladdy. Okay, but there was like two Makitas. You were trying to find short. Shortcuts, and, and I would be saying Nemesnikov but by the time you've said Nemesnikov like three other people have touched the puck it was it was, it was you couldn't win it was a no win scenario until they scored and then it, you, you
0: said it. it was relief this is why what you do what doc Emmerich does and, and a lot of other people we could put on this list is so amazing look uh, God bless somebody like my, my former student now Noah Eagle. Was oh, the voice yep. of the Clippers? He gets an Kakumpo once in a while, but usually it's <laughs> it's James or Paul or you know. Come on, you got those mm-hmm. names you're rattling off the tongue. For three periods a night. So, there
2: you go. Yeah, and I remember, you know, if you, and I still got this book, Marv Alberts, yes, that was published in the late 70s. And he points out the difficulty for hockey announcers, especially on radio, has to do with the influx of international players. Well, Marv hasn't done hockey in almost 30 years, but boy, oh boy, <laughs> I'm not sure he
0: could. Dan, it's great to hear your voice. And as we mentioned, so when this whole thing really started to kick in, you're one of the first people I thought of. I'm like, man, what does a play-by-play guy do when the sports world shuts down that rhythm of games and how it kind of runs your life for a while? So take us back to from the moment we spoke last to now and what you've been doing in, in that in that time.
2: <laughs> it's it's kind of like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I have... Successfully baked four loaves of chocolate chip banana bread. I'm getting good good at that. Very good. Uh Uh And, uh, you know, I I think that we have done a good job, we meaning the Golden Knights, of engaging the fans. You know, like, and the Crunch have too, and what, you know, Lucas Rivali's done, and of course, it's been great to hear the rebroadcast, the old Crunch games that have been airing on ESPN in Syracuse. They've done something similar here, and also with our TV station. And that's been fun to kind of dig into the archives and pull out some of the old notes. And of course, with the Golden Knights, it's much more recent. We're only talking a couple of years worth of games here. And uh, that's been fun, but we've also continued doing podcasts and interviews and Knight's Report, which is a video production conducted by Zoom and other things that our social media-based technology has allowed us to connect with folks in a way that would have been inconceivable even like a decade ago. So uh, so that's been fun, and then, uh, frankly, it's been a lot of phone calls and Zoom calls, keeping in touch with folks, and I- I'll tell you, I'm um, excited and sort of amazed at how many new people I've talked to, students who have uh, wanted feedback on their tape, the young broadcasters trying to break into the business who found a way to to connect and I've enjoyed meeting people albeit remotely by phone or video chat that's been fun and then uh, organizing stuff I I've I've managed to get all of my Syracuse crunch material into one plastic bin <laughs> that might have been scattered well around uh, in several other places but 5 years worth of crunch history all packed in there and it's a uh, Closer to uh, a point of organization that I would like, and then reading—I've you know, done a lot of reading and, and watching some documentaries that I wanted. I just finished watching the, the one they did a couple of years ago about uh, about O.J. Simpson. I remember when we were doing our shows together in Syracuse, the documentary had come out produced by ESPN. Right. I watched the, the dramatized version that, that they produced, so that was pretty good. So that's been a lot of that. I haven't really gone anywhere. I've been now that things are opening up, I might make it back east. Uh, potentially for a short period of time. And then before you know it, it's going to another couple of months and they'll be playing hockey games.
0: I was really just stunned, and now it's almost normal, as you said, with Groundhog Day, but those images of, say, Times Square empty, just jarring to see that. You're Mm. in a city that, man, when I think of Vegas, you just think of Sinatra playing and the bright lights and the moving and grooving. What has that city been like in a shutdown?
2: I, at first, was startled by all of the casinos turning their lights off, which made sense. They weren't open. No one was in them. Why would you leave the lights on? You're wasting money to, if you were to do that.
0: It's like but my I father always that, said, when you leave the room, turn the lights off, darn it. Right.
2: Yeah, but I think that, especially because the strip is so visible and it's so much connected to the entire valley, that after a week or two they realized there was some psychological damage to leaving all the casino lights off. So after a couple of weeks, all the exterior lights came back on. Not okay. every single light at every building, but for a couple of weeks, like the exterior lights at the Bellagio were off. At nighttime, all you'd see would be the flickering red lights for the airplanes. Now all the exterior lights have been on for two months. So I think that is helpful. But there's, you know, and I'm right near an interstate, there's been plenty of traffic know, um, I've gone to over to Las Vegas Boulevard, uh, Boulevard, and I think that people who live here are more or less curious, and so it hasn't been totally abandoned. I think it's more just the locals who are cruising around, because they don't normally get to drive around the Strip, because there's so many tourists. So I, it's a little bit strange, obviously. The casinos are still closed, but... Will soon be opening, and I can only imagine what it's like for the people whose, you know, whose livelihood is, is are in the casinos and the entertainment side of the business. Here, so uh, it hasn't been terribly jarring for me, but uh, I, it's it is it is still a little bit strange.
0: I think yesterday was the first time I honestly look forward to Gary Bettman making an appearance. <laughs> I mean, it's always great when he comes out with the cop. That's always something, of course. But other than that, I can't think of an instance. But yesterday, I was anticipating it as much as anybody. It was fascinating to hear the plan. What is your reaction to the NHL's plan to get back on the ice?
2: Well, I was more excited than I thought I would be. There's just, you kind of go through all of this, and you hear one development here and one development there, and it's like, all right, well, wake me up when there's really something going on. And I think I got so numb to all of that over the last couple of months, I was a little bit taken back by, oh, my gosh, this is actually a thing. So there was uh, one of the concerns that I had was, if you're going to allow more teams into a postseason scenario – you can't give the better teams a buy because then they're not shaking the rust off while all the poor teams are getting back into game shape. so they've sort of solved that with this round robin for the top four teams. It's a little gimmicky, but uh, I, that's all right, fine. you know they want to include twenty four teams. It gets more of the original six teams involved. And when you boil it down to the the odds in Vegas is one of three teams, six to one odds to win the Stanley Cup, whatever happened in the regular season is more irrelevant than probably any previous Stanley Cup postseason. Players that were hurt are now healthy. Teams that were on hot streaks have had those go out the window. Teams that had gone cold could get hot. You just have no idea, especially when it's best of five in this qualifying round and we don't yet know about later rounds, you know, could be 5, could be 7, uh, at least for the first two rounds once they get to that point. But if you go back to the last year that they had best of 5 series in the National Hockey League it was 1986. And in that first round best of 5 series, they're eight series, the higher seed won four times and the lower seed lost four times. How about that. And of those of the four division winners that year, the division winners went 1 and 3. It's more of a crapshoot when it's best of five this year in particular. So uh, how, how this plays out is uh, really a crapshoot in terms of which teams benefit, which teams don't, and who's got a better shot. I have absolutely no idea. So from that standpoint, it's exciting.
0: You brought up an interesting point. We're talking to our friend Dan Duva, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, of course formerly the voice of the Crunch and a Syracuse University alum. You mentioned, Dan, about, oh, wow, this is a thing, like, wake me up, this is serious here. I, I'm sure the players kind of felt the same way. What What is the reaction you've seen from them that's intriguing about just that, like, oh, wait a minute, no, this is a thing, this is our plan to come back? How do they feel about it?
2: There were two teams that voted against this plan, and uh, Tampa Bay Lightning were one of them. Uh, Interesting. uh, Alex Kaloran, former Crunch player, is the the union rep for the Lightning. And I I think there there are certain questions that have yet to be answered. As much as this is um, a plan going forward, there's still a lot of uncertainty, things that haven't been figured out. And I believe that that sort of uh, lack of clarity on some things leads to some hesitation for some But the overwhelming majority of of Golden Knights people that I've talked to, it comes back to one thing. They're itching to get back on the ice. The multiple phases of reintroducing ice to their preparation, critical. So they're going to be in small groups here in a couple of weeks, and then they'll have more of a a typical training camp in early July, and then at some point a couple of exhibition games before they start this qualifying situation. And I I think that for these guys, they've never had, in fact – I think it was Riley Smith who told me a couple weeks ago that this is the longest he's gone without being on the ice since he was eight years old. You know, Even in the offseason, hockey players, it's not like the old days where you had a job in the offseason. These guys are training in the offseason, too. They might take a few weeks off whenever their season ends, but it's hard for these guys to not be on the ice. They're looking forward to that, and for the teams that were in a good position to go far in the playoffs, like say the Golden Knights, you're eager to, to get rolling and playing games to see how this plays out. No doubt some of the players who were uh, long since uh, out of the playoff picture are delighted that they finally had uh, you know, been put out the pasture, so to speak. The Red Wings, the, the Kings, the Sharks. It's only the second time ever that all three California teams will miss the playoffs. And this is in a year when they let 24 teams in. <laughs> so, so those teams didn't want to keep going. The teams that are good and have a real shot. I want to get playing. And this for those teams that missed the playoffs, um, you know, this this season, I mean, they're going to probably go nine months without playing
0: a game. I went to one NHL game before it all shut down, and what were the chances I'd see two teams that are not going to be in a 24-team field? It was the Sabres <laughs> and Red Wings. So you Oof, can just imagine yeah. what kind of game that was. Dan, <laughs> you, uh, the, the hub plan was interesting, and Vegas is one of the cities listed. Uh, appropriate question for a man in Vegas What are the odds Vegas could be the the Western hub at this point? What are you hearing?
2: I don't know. I would suggest to whoever makes this decision that they visit Las Vegas in July and August and maybe walk outside for a little while. Fair point. And then think again. (laughs) It gets hot here. Um, And when when Vegas won Game 5, or I should say, when Vegas lost Game 5 against the Capitals in the Stanley Cup Final, it was 117 degrees that day, and I believe it was June 7th, I want to say. Uh, so, to play you know, hockey here, July and August, I mean, it's just incredibly hot. Uh, the other part of it will be there's T Mobile Arena, is in um, an interesting spot in that, of course, it's surrounded by hotels, but Las Vegas is going to be open by then. There are going to be tourists here. I mean, they're opening some of these casinos in just a couple of weeks. Now it's not going to be the huge number of people that it normally is, but it seems to me it'll be harder to protect those players. Then the other thing will be the the, um, the ice. T-Mobile Arena is where it is, but you'd have to drive 20 minutes to get out to the Golden Knights' practice facility. Um, so, I, in you look at it in terms of a hub, you know, like NBA is discussing with uh, Disney World, I'm not sure that that is quite as workable here. Um, in some ways it makes sense, in other ways I kind of scratch my head given some of the other places where you're not going to have as many people coming in and out, like, frankly, Edmonton, Alberta. <laughs> you know, it's, like, not too many people are going there, uh, and there's a brand-new hotel that's connected to a very new arena in terms of health and safety, uh, and they've got plenty of ice rinks in Alberta. Like, that, in, you know, from a logistical standpoint, standpoint makes sense. Um, you're not going to allow fans into these games, so it's not like it's a destination. Vegas is a destination, uh, but it's not going to be a destination when you have games with no fans. So that's why I wonder if, in fact, Vegas, for this kind of a situation, is the best choice to be a hub city. But they don't. the reason why they have all these cities still on the list has to do with bridging any gap with health concerns. They could decide today... But what if there's an outbreak in Las Vegas or Edmonton? God forbid these places get another wave. Well, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket in that city. They're letting things move forward, plans to develop in all of these cities, so in three or four weeks they can make the best decision.
0: How was, uh, when we're going back to the world of when we were playing hockey, and like you said, people that were injured, everything resets here, but let's go back to when you were playing. How was uh, Syracuse native Alex Tuck doing? I know he had a little bit of a setback at the beginning of the season, but was he starting to get into rhythm, and and where do you think he's at in his career?
2: He was injured at the time of the the stoppage. There were three Golden Knights who were unavailable because of injury. Um, One was Max Pacioretty, one was Mark Stone, one was Alex Tuck. Three pretty significant players. Uh, now, you're right. Alex was not having quite the season that he might have expected, given what he had done as a rookie and then even his second year. He uh, It was sort of a herky-jerky kind of a season between injuries, had injury at the start, and some nagging things over the course of the year. But when hockey resumes, each of those players I mentioned will be healthy. They have long since been back to 100%, according to head coach Pete DeBoer, so, Alex, uh, I think that, you know, he's still so young <laughs> and is in a position to um, maximize his career given the contract that he got from the team. Um, the the players he's surrounded by. Think about if you're Alex Tuck, you've got a chance of playing alongside the likes of Paul Stastny and Max and Mark Stone, or Jonathan Marchessault and Will Carlson and Riley Smith. I mean, there are so many really impressive players you might find yourself alongside. That kind of thing can only help Alex. And I think from you know a learning standpoint, you know, using his size more. I think he's trying to figure out, you know what to do with his six foot four frame. And I think that by observing some of the other guys on a team like Mark Stone and Max Patch who are similar in height, but they play a, a, a little bit more physical than Alex has so far. So we'll see. There's, there's still a great deal of upside for Alex. And even though this has not been the kind of season he would have liked now, he'll be healthy when this gets going again. And uh, if, if he comes up with an impressive postseason for the Golden Knights, uh, the regular season will be an all-too-easy distant memory.
0: Dan, final thing for you here. Uh, even though the plan is out there, we're starting to see other sports come back. We're still in that world of make-believe sports in a way, so I'm going to put you in that <laughs> scenario here. Can you wrap your mind around calling a hockey game with nobody in the building? Uh,
2: I, I have done it before, not because of quarantine or pandemic, but you know, certain sports, certain <laughs> teams that I will try to avoid mentioning do not bring in many fans. And uh, I guess I, I've been there. So, uh, will it be different if it's in a venue where there are normally twenty thousand people? Yeah, it'll be strange, but I think that we would get used to it pretty quickly and the technology is there. Maybe it'll pipe in crowd noise and that sort of thing, and we'll see how that plays out. But, Uh, And I'd be lying if I said that broadcasters don't play off the crowd. Of course we do. It's uh, in that musical orchestra that is a radio broadcast. You use the effects from the ice, the sounds of the game, the play-by-play, the reaction from the crowd, the sound from the public address system. All of these things work together as sort of a concert, and uh, we, we thank the engineers for mixing it to make it sound so good so you feel like you're at the game. It's going to be different. It could be a challenge, but I think that once we kind of do it a couple of times, it'll be second nature, and and people will want to know what's going on in the game, and it won't be too strange. Um, And uh, we will be eagerly awaiting the doors to open again, but I think we will adapt without too much of a problem.
0: Dan, it's great to hear your voice. Glad to hear you're doing well, and uh, glad uh, you're going to be back to work soon with some some hockey games to play. Uh, It'll be here before we know it, but uh, appreciate your time and your insight as always today, my friend. We'll catch up down the road.
2: My pleasure, Brent, and best wishes to you, your family, and everyone back in good old Syracuse.